Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. What does food mean to you? Hope you're enjoying your summer. You know, there's just about one month left of summer, so be sure to enjoy all the fresh fruits and vegetables that are out there at this time of the year. And you know, July is National Blueberry Month. So in this episode, I'll be sharing my recipe for a blueberry granita and blueberry shortcake. And sharing some food Americana history with us is David Page, who is the author of Food Americana, and he just happens to be the creator of one of the most successful shows on TV, I think now, or foodie show, is Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And David is going to share with us history of the drive through Many of us, I know, have always loved the scenes and films from the 50s and 60s, you know, summertime and the waitresses roller skating around at the restaurants and attaching a tray to the window of a car. So there's a lot of history related to the the drive through And also I'll be sharing this show with Karen Worster, who's the executive director of Wreaths Across America. They're doing some great things to honor our veterans and she'll be here to tell us about all the special things they're doing as well as how you can get involved and before we get started i just want to remind you to like and share this month the month of july's episodes to be entered in our giveaway drawings. And this month, we always have some really great prizes. And uh, this month is definitely one of those months with great prizes we have. To start with, we're giving away a copy of my book, The Basic Art of Pasta. And we have some surprise gifts from Edward and Sons. I interviewed the owner last week in last week's episode and they have some great healthy and vegetarian, gluten-free, all kinds of really interesting foods. And that company has been around for a really long time. So they have a, a really good history of uh, providing great products. And also in honor of this month being the month of Bastille Day, yes, July 14th is Bastille Day, Baker Lee, who has some French themed baked products, will also be providing us with some special giveaways. So be sure to first sign up for my newsletter at marialiberati.com and like and share July's episodes. And don't forget, you can also take a photo of any of the recipes that you create from any of these episodes, any of the podcast episodes in July, hashtag a photo, the Maria Liberati show, share it on social media, and we will be posting them on the website. And you'll also be entered in a giveaway as long as you sign up for the newsletter. So yes, the blueberry is truly something else. And as mentioned, July is known as National Blueberry Month. There are festivals all over in honor of this tiny blue wonder. And the following states and provinces all hold festivals. If your state is not included here and you know they do have a festival, please reach out, let us know, comment on my blog or on the podcast, please let us know, or on social media. But so far, the states that we researched and found that have 
blueberry festivals are Alaska, Alabama, the provinces of Alberta, British Columbia, states of California, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, the province of Nova Scotia, of course, in Canada, the state of Ohio, Oregon, the province of Ontario in Canada, states of Pennsylvania, province of Prince Edward Island and Quebec and Saskatchewan, and also the states of Texas, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, and Wisconsin. And you know, you can go to blueberry.org slash festivals to find the festivals nearest you. But if there are other festivals out there, please let us know. You know, even if there are no blueberry festivals in your area or close by, a great recipe can bring the party to your door. So check out these recipes that I'm going to share, and any of them is sure to send your taste buds soaring into blueberry festival mode. So my first recipe is a blueberry granita, and it's really refreshing this time of year, as mentioned, you know, with all the fresh blueberries. Four cups of fresh blueberries, one teaspoon of freshly grated organic lemon peel, a teaspoon of freshly grated organic orange peel, two teaspoons of fresh lemon juice, and one cup of sugar or sweetener to taste. In a medium-sized saucepan, combine the blueberries, lemon peel, orange peel, and one cup of water, and then on high heat, bring this to a boil. Reduce the heat and simmer until the blueberries are soft. Set a fine strainer over the bowl. Strain the mixture, pressing with the back of a large spoon. Stir the lemon juice into the puree and chill this puree. In a saucepan, combine the sugar and one cup of water over high heat. Bring to a boil. Reduce the heat and simmer until the sugar dissolves. So you're making a sugar syrup. For about two to three minutes, you're going to uh, continue. Then transfer this to a bowl and chill this also. Stir the sugar syrup into the blueberry puree and pour this mixture into a shallow pan. Freeze the blueberry mixture until ice crystals form around the edges of the pan about 45 to 60 minutes. With a fork, scrape the ice crystals from the edges and stir into the mixture. Freeze the mixture until it's fully frozen about one and a half hours, stirring several times. To serve, place this into tall glasses, garnish with crisp cookies, fresh blueberries, thin fresh orange slices. It, it yields about one quart. A yummy variation on a classic blueberry dish is blueberry shortcakes. The ingredients for this call for a third of a cup plus one tablespoon of sugar divided, four teaspoons of cornstarch, a teaspoon of vanilla extract, a pinch of salt, a pinch of ground cinnamon, two and a half cups of fresh blueberries, and for the shortcakes, two-third cup of all-purpose flour, one half cup of sugar, one and a half teaspoons of baking powder, one egg, six tablespoons of whole milk, four tablespoons of unsalted butter melted, and a pinch of sea salt. So first you're going to make the blueberry sauce and in a medium saucepan, combine a half a cup of water, a third a cup of the sugar, the cornstarch, a half a teaspoon of vanilla salt, 
the salt. Um, that was a half a teaspoon of vanilla, the salt and the cinnamon. Cook over medium-high heat, stirring constantly until boiling. Boil and stir about one minute longer after it has reached the boiling point. Stir in the blueberries and cook until the blueberries are glazed, about a half of a minute. Transfer to a bowl, refrigerate, covered until cold, about one hour. Meanwhile, you're going to make the blueberry shortcake or biscuits. In a bowl, sift together the flour baking powder together. Add in salt. Then you're going to whisk in melted butter, milk, egg. Whisk, whisk all the ingredients together till well blended. Butter muffin tins or place um, muffin cups in the tins. Pour in the batter and bake in the oven that has been preheated to 350 degrees for approximately 25 minutes or until the muffins are puffy and golden. Remove from the oven and let cool. So to serve the shortcakes or muffins or biscuits, whatever you would like to call these yummy creations, in a small deep bowl, you're going to beat a half a cup of heavy whipping cream and a tablespoon of sugar, a half a teaspoon of vanilla. Beat this until stiff peaks form. Set that aside. Cut the six biscuits or shortcakes in, in half horizontally. And on six serving plates, place the bottom half of the biscuit. Top each with a rounded third cup of that blueberry soft sauce that we made at the beginning and two and a half tablespoons of whipped cream and cover with the other half of the muffin and you can serve. And there you have it, blueberry shortcake and a blueberry granita recipe to enjoy all the summer blueberries with. Today we're fortunate to have a guest with us. So interesting. He's this is your second time, I think, David, right? You've been... It is. And thank you for having me back. Well, thank you so much for being here. Your book is just so filled, filled with such interesting things. I was going to say it's, it's filled with food Americana. And this is David Page and the title of his book. He's the author of a book called Food Americana. But I just want to mention, I bet you everybody will know from um, the Uber show that you were creator of, that you're a creator of, um, Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. You just have to know about that show. So, um, but David is going to today, you know, the summertime brings to mind, at least I know for me, you know, I remember going through drive throughs um, embarrassingly enough. I remember drive throughs you know, going through and it was just so much fun, especially in the summertime, but any time of the year. And uh, we were going to uh, have David tell us, fill us in on some really interesting history of uh, drive-throughs. David, thanks so much for being here. Well, thanks again for having me. It's I'm starting to feel like I'm at home. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> it's getting it's good. <laughs> what would you like to know about drive -thru? Well, so tell us when was the first drive-through? Like what's, what's up with the first drive-through? I knew there had to be one first drive-through in the country. Yeah, and it kind of depends on definition, as with so many of these things. 
the concept of eating in your car, the best anyone can track it down, is generally uh, thought to be the pig stand, uh-huh. which was a barbecue chain that began in Texas in 1921. Now, you didn't drive through anything. This was more like Mel's drive-in from American Graffiti. You, you sat in your car and car hops came to you and they they would put that tray on the window. Remember that? Yes, I remember. Tell me you remember it from movies, okay? Yeah, right, exactly. I do remember, yes. And and that that became kind of a thing and drive-in operators started to compete to see who could give you the coolest experience. Uh, in many cases, truly, the waiters or well waitresses there were very few waiters came to your car on roller skates at one point there was the sonic drive-in that uh trading on america's fascination with everything modern and the space program Uh had a system where the trays would would come to you there was a rail up above looks like i'm surrendering and there was a kind of an arm off it and the tray would be on that arm uh-huh. and it would magically come to your car. And boy, this this was um, magic. It was it was modern. But in terms of being able to actually drive through uh-huh. where you sit in your car, you go to a window, you order something, you drive off uh-huh. and throw the wrappers in the back seat, which is required, apparently was a place called Red's Giant Hamburg, not hamburger, Red's Giant Hamburg, which opened up in Missouri in 1947. That that at least is the best historians can track down. But that was that was one place. It it didn't have any real impact nationally. Then comes 1948, uh-huh. and In-N-Out in California put in a two-way speaker box. That is something that had never been seen before. This was the cutting edge of technology. You you could talk into the box and then drive up to the window, and they would give you food. Uh, and that's generally considered to be the first drive-through chain. But In-N-Out, even today, is geographically available only a limited area, and yeah. today's area is a little broader than it was back then. Back then, it was nothing but California. Oh. The, the real nationalization of the concept uh-huh. uh, is attributed to Jack in the Box, which opened as a drive through only restaurant in 1951 in San Diego. There was no seating inside. The whole concept was show up in your car, uh, get get your food and move on. And their um, speaker box was in the shape of a clown face, which was a big marketing gimmick. Yes. And they began to expand nationally. And, and that was the chain that, that took the drive through uh-huh. to its status as a national concept. Although... You know, it, it, it took the, the big boys a long time to, to join the party. It was not till more than 20 years later in the mid 70s. I that didn't when, that. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. I didn't that Wendy's, McDonald's and Burger King uh, put in drive throughs. 
Yeah, I didn't, I did not realize that. I just, you know, kind of assumed, you know, you see them now and you just assume that's the way it always was. But yeah, I didn't remember that they did not have that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, we, we all accept it because today, mm -hmm. um, more than 70% of chain fast food joints business comes mm -hmm. through the window. Oh, but wow. it really it was it was a change that society forced uh -huh. as from the 50s through the 60s and into the 70s. Uh -huh. Americans began moving to the suburbs and perhaps even more importantly, mom had to take a job as well as dad. Oh, yeah. And that really changed the uh, the equation for yeah. how we ate and what we ate and what was an acceptable dinner to put on the table. Yeah. Wow. And so tell us anything else that came out of these drive-throughs, you know, like I knew there were some actual things like, you know, for the Oh, societal change. Well, yeah, sure. Um car design. Right. Before drive-throughs, there were no cup holders. Wow. Um and even today, German auto manufacturers grumble. They they hate the concept of the cup holder because you should keep both hands on the wheel. I, I drove in Germany. I lived in Germany. Yes. And the concept of, of paying attention to your driving and it being serious business is much more serious there than here. So cup holders was a late ad for them. But, you know, we're now at the point where everything – uh, is built for cup holders. I, I went into a uh, convenience store yesterday mm -hmm. uh, to pick up eggs and was fascinated in the snack aisle uh -huh. by all of the items that are now available in round tapered containers specifically to fit into cup holders. Um, oh, it's wow. If you think about it, it, it actually ha has caused a massive change yes. in um car design, but but also in food design uh, as drive-throughs and the concept of driving while eating mm -hmm. took hold in America, the kinds of foods that we favored were directed toward those that could be eaten with minimal mess using one hand. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I, I don't have statistics on this, but I'm, I'm real curious as to what percentage of Kentucky Fried Chicken products are actually eaten in the car or are taken home, because unlike McDonald's, say, um, you don't go to McDonald's and get a bucket of burgers to take home. You, you get a burger to unwrap and eat in the car. Um I'm very curious as as to the statistics of KFC, which I don't have, because it seems to me that the the chicken alternative that was created for cars was that darn McNugget. Yes. Um, even today, I was reading in the trades uh -huh. that uh, Popeyes, uh -huh. which you know was famous for the chicken sandwich war of 2019 and 2020, and I guess it's arguably still continuing. They've just introduced or are introducing, the, the news came out today, their own version of nuggets. So if, if you can eat it uh, with one hand or you can eat it without grease um, sliding down your arm, 
you're the perfect car food. That said, um, I confess that on occasion I have purchased something from Taco Bell and that completely breaks the mold because you end up with, with an armful of beans or, or whatever that stuff is yes. that's, that's in what yes. their burritos. Yes, yes. Uh, um, you know, but, but also the, the introduction and the popularization of the food drive through mm -hmm. um, also resulted in an impact on our lack of patience in, in all sorts of commerce. Suddenly you had the, uh, the pharmacy drive through yes. I've got to pick up an everyday subscription later today. Uh, subscription? No, uh, uh, prescription. Thank you. One of those words. Um, and I'm not going to go inside. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to drive through. There's drive through everything. There's drive through uh, dry cleaners. And yeah. in certain places, in certain states, I believe to this day, you can still drive through a liquor store. I know that a few years ago when my daughter was competing in horse shows in Kentucky, we would uh -huh. drive through the liquor store and get our bottle of bourbon to celebrate her victory um well she was too young i'd celebrate her victory and her mother would uh, so it's it's both representative of societal change uh -huh. it's also caused societal change uh -huh. um and these days nothing's hotter than the drive-through right you're absolutely right yes wow that it's unbelievable how, you know, a small thing like that. And I wasn't aware that it started back in 1921 so in Philadelphia, because I grew up in Philadelphia and they had a chain called Big Boys, Shawnee's Big Boys. And I can remember, but it wasn't the drive through. It was the first thing like you would see in American graffiti. You know, the yeah. uh, they I guess they came on roller skates. I don't remember that part. I was a little too young to remember that, but I still can vaguely remember going there. And, you know, I didn't even realize they actually did the roller skating thing that you saw on like Happy Days in American graffiti. So you're saying they did come on roller skates with the trays on i remember putting the trays you know there used to be certain apparatus to stick your trays on your window and stuff like that yeah they had the two clips and you right. put the window halfway up that i remember yes i remember that wow it's unbelievable but yes i you know i'm always amazed that you know drive through pharmacy drive through drive through uh dry cleaning drive through everything now and uh, it's unbelievable. There are some more chains that I notice are opening up and they're just drive-throughs. That's all they're, you know, they are. So I guess it's really such a hot item. And how about, do you have any statistics? I bet, you know, the pandemic really probably, if it was what, like 70% drive-through, I bet you like 90% drive-through. Yeah, I the numbers haven't been published that I've seen, but wow. everyone says it was the pandemic uh -huh. uh, that caused drive-through usage to skyrocket. Right. And all of the experts tell me that while it, it is falling back, uh -huh. it will never fall as far back as it was yes. pre-pandemic, that, that we have decided that this is, um, this is the way to go. And what you're seeing now Mm -hmm. uh, companies that have traditionally had drive-throughs are now expanding them mm -hmm. or putting in and or putting in 
automated ordering equipment in an attempt to speed up the process because the 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 hard wall that drive through usage always faced was time. You had, for example, the better burger joints like uh, Five Guys or Smash Burger uh-huh. uh, or Shake Shack uh-huh. refusing to consider drive throughs because it takes longer to create uh, a burger from scratch. But even that industry is now looking into the reality that people have come to expect drive throughs One of the smaller, better burger chains, Muya, has announced that they are, in fact, going to jump into the drive through business, uh, saying that they have developed some technology that's going to allow them to be quicker in producing bespoke burgers. You're also seeing uh, chains going entirely drive-through in some places. Uh, Portillo's is a hot dog chain. Uh And I'm checking my notes here. Yeah, they they, um, have announced a model for their stores that are nothing but three drive-through lanes. Wow. There's there's no walking in there there's 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 no other way to order, and what's really interesting uh-huh. is you're starting to see convenience stores uh, yeah. implement drive-throughs. Uh-huh. Wawa, which is legendary, if you happen to watch Mayor of Easttown or you live where I do in South Jersey, uh, Wawa is beloved, yeah. and they are now installing drive-throughs at some of their locations and opening up some drive-through only locations. I and that saw. that concept is pretty amazing, frankly. Is I I did see that, and I was really surprised to see this opening up just a drive, you know, only drive through. But I have a feeling that uh, people, you know, with a year and a half, what two years that we've been pandemic, that uh, people got so used to the drive through that you know they're so used to it now. It's kind of their way of life. So more and more people just got used to it, and they're gonna going to be doing it. David, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out and sharing some of this fun information about drive throughs and much success with your book, Food Americana, and tell people where they can get that. You can go to Amazon.com, Target.com, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com. You can buy it today, get it tomorrow. So please do. Yes, it is really, really interesting. We do have our own culture here in America. I always tell people that our food has its own culture and it's really, really interesting. And I love the way that your book really helps people discover that. So definitely check it out. David, thanks so much for being with us. I'm sure we'll we'll, uh, be talking to you soon again. Maria, it's always great to chat. Thanks for having me. Thanks.
today I have as a special guest on the podcast, Karen Worcester, who is the executive director of a great organization. It's called Wreaths Across America. And uh, I'm going to let Karen tell you all about the organization, but they're doing some great things and honoring veterans. And it's always nice to hear about an organization honoring veterans. Karen, thanks so much for being here today. So tell us about Wreaths Across America. Well, Wreaths Across America is a 501c3 organization with a mission to remember the fallen, honor those that serve, but most importantly, to teach the next generation the cost and value of freedom. And we are most known for placing wreaths on veterans' graves um, during the holidays in December. Uh, But uh, the mission is carried out year round as it should be. Um, and we do that. We share stories of men and women that served because it's so important for people to have a personal connection. And it becomes very personal in December when you place a wreath on the grave of a fallen soldier or veteran who, who did their time in the service. And we ask that their names are said out loud as we do that. And the reason we have a, a belief that you die twice. The first time is when your heart stops beating, the breath leaves your body. But the final time is when your name is spoken for the very last time. And so we ask that the names are spoken as we place the wreaths and that people maybe research a little bit this individual that they're honoring because that is their heritage. It's our heritage. Their life stories are our heritage. And those stories of courage and love of country and love of each other are great cornerstones for us to build an education for our kids on. We're looking for things to bring us together right now. And one thing we all can agree on that we have the freedoms we do because of the character and courage of those individuals. So um, although we're most known for the placing of wreaths, the biggest part in my mind of the mission is to link kids up with a proud heritage and uh, just remind people that although we're an imperfect country, we're a country that has men and women for uh, as long as the country's been alive that have fought so that we all can have the freedoms that we have. Wow, that's great. That's got, oh, it's such a beautiful message. So um, tell us, is there any kind of event that's coming up or is it just like in December when you really get active um, or how can people get involved with the organization? <laughs> well, we're doing things all year round. And mainly we do things by we, we tell stories and we tell stories of lives. And for an example, we were so uh, during last year's COVID when there weren't a lot of events going on, we were very fortunate because we were ahead of the game and put in uh, stories of men and women that served and their families together that we were sharing on social media. And for instance, I did a series of interviews with Gold Star mothers about the lives of their children, not the deaths, because they want us to remember that. And, you know, we're, I know it's, Often when people are around somebody who's lost a loved one, they're hesitant to mention their name. But just like I said, they they don't need to be reminded that they lost a loved one in the battle for this country. We, they want us to remember. So they want us to reach out and share the stories. And I'll just share another moment in, in my history of doing this. It was in 2007. Um, and I was at Arlington National Cemetery with a young mother who was placing a wreath on her son's grave. It was the first holiday without him. And as we placed the wreath, we were down on our knees and 
she fixed the bow and then she put a hand out and ran her hand over his name and spoke his name. But when we stood up, she squared right up to me and looked me in the face and she said, Karen, don't remember that my son died. That's not his legacy. He sacrificed his life. Please remember his life. And it's in that life, what kind of an individual? Um, so many men and women like after 9-11, what about the character of men and women that stepped up? That is who we are. That is our history. And that's what kids need to understand. And we here, it's, it's almost cliche, freedom isn't free, but freedom is still being paid for every day. And we weren't given a gift to tuck away and have. We were entrusted with the freedom of this country with our generation and next. So the best way to show the value and the importance of that is through the lives that were either lost or lives lived and those people go on and most of them have a spirit of serving each other and so we try to teach patriotism through that through stories through community and working its way up to country because we need to get back together on that level so those are the things we do and to get involved year round you can see our stories we have social media of course we have radio station that we share these stories and we tell stories from all different aspects from gold star parents to active duty military um, and in July, um, we, we highlight what we do year round, but it's appropriate in July because so many organizations do like a Christmas in July. So we wanted to do a different twist. So we do our giving in July and we do that, although we do it year round, we highlight it in July. We work with other organizations with like-minded interests in supporting community and especially the veterans. So we have what we call sponsorship organizations and they go out and get uh, sponsorships to place reads on individual graves. We do 2,500 different cemeteries all over the country. And um, when they do that, for instance, it might be a DAI group or a VFW, uh, Boy Scouts, Civil Air Patrol, they'll go out and get a sponsorship for a wreath that they then will place in the cemetery. And $15 places a wreath at any one of our locations. $5 goes back into the local community to support their cause. Um, and we work with everybody from the Gary Sinise Foundation, which is huge, to somebody who might just be doing a one-time thing to try to raise funds for a guide dog for a community member. To date, we've given back through those $5 back program, we've given back more than $15 million into the local community, which again brings a spirit of people working together and talking about the courage and character of the American people, which is so important. It, it is, and I love that, that you know, I, I just, I've traveled around the world and I, when I started traveling, I was, I was lucky to do that, but I, it, it made me realize that I took for granted the freedoms that our country has. And I think so many young people don't realize that. So I love that your organization hopefully will make people more aware people of all ages that really, you know, take our freedoms for granted because it is a really special thing that we have and many lives were lost 
for those freedoms that we have. It's definitely something. You can't can't demand freedom and get it. It has to be preserved and fought for and understood what freedom is and freedom for everybody. And in the the courage courage and character of these men and women, they come from all walks of life. They come from all different faiths. Um, and America is the melting pot where these people come together and cherish freedom and work together and enjoy it. Um, but it's being paid for every day. So talking to the families and even going into the cemetery, so many poignant moments when I, another time, again, I usually end up at Arlington because my husband, this, this year will be his 30th year for taking raised Arlington. But we were there, um, I don't know, 2008, 10, somewhere in there. And we were met in section 60 by a young mother with two little kids. They were very small, like maybe two and four. It was freezing cold. They were done up in their snowsuits and had runny noses and they recognized us and they came over and, and she was fighting back the tears because they were there to spend Christmas with daddy. And um, they were, the mom was so moved that there were thousands of people there and everybody was embracing them and and lifting them up and and caring about their loss but she asked if we'd come to the grave site because her little boy was about four wanted to show us his daddy's grave and I, I remember it because as we got to the grave site and if you've seen the iconic pictures the stones like the one behind me the stones are uh have a wreath and they're all placed the bows at the top and it's like cookie cutter but he wanted daddy's to be different and he'd laid the wreath right flat on the top so that he could see daddy's wreath from a distance and it just it just brought a whole new level of sacrifice you know what these families are alone and and while they're alone a lot of the time while while their mom and dad or kids are serving so we enjoy what we have because of great sacrifice. So Reads Across America's mission is not for everybody to feel sorry for people that serve, but to celebrate that character because that's who we are as Americans. And we need to get back to that. We need to look to each other, support each other. And, you know, I remember after 9-11 when we came together because we were attacked from the outside and uh, we need to, to get that bond back. And this is just one exercise that we do is sharing the stories and people can interpret it any way they want, but by just sharing the stories of who these people are and what they've done with their lives, um, we hope that we can bring, bring back a little patriotism that way. That alone is, is a beautiful, you know, is, a, is really a beautiful thing. It's, it's really something that's special. So that's great. So I'm assuming then people just can find you at readsacrossamerica.org, right? Yeah, readsacrossamerica.org. You can find out how to participate. I mean, if you can't, you don't have to sponsor a read to participate. We're always looking for volunteers. Here's a, a quick note on the, uh, the volunteerism and how we couldn't do this without millions of volunteers. We have over 2 million and a third of our volunteers are kids, which is so important. But we, for instance, um, the, the year before COVID, we actually delivered 2.2 million reads to over 2,500 locations in December. And on the same day, they were placed by our volunteers, but they also were delivered by volunteer trucking companies and individual drivers who gave their time. It was around 500 loads of wreaths that went all over the country. And people traveled to Maine to get those wreaths and then distribute them for free because that was their contribution. So anybody can volunteer their time, just go to a cemetery and help an elderly person get to their husband's grave. 
and just be there and be in the moment and celebrate the goodness of the American people and the sacrifice. Well, Karen, thank you so much for for uh, being a guest and being one of our featured um, nonprofits that we're we're doing this now. Every so often, we're free, featuring a special nonprofit. So, thank you so much for for doing thank that and for the organization. So much success, and and hopefully, um, our listeners will get out there and uh, get involved in some way. Also, so it's wreathsacrossamerica.org. Karen. Yeah. Uh, December 18th is when we'll be placing reads this year, but please go to the website now and participate. Many things going on right now. Great, great. Thanks again, Karen. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Marie Liberati Show. And thanks to my producer, Britton Roselle, and my production intern, Alexandra Troy, and this week's guest, David Page, the author of Food Americana, and Karen Worcester, the director of Wreaths Across America. Please visit their websites and let them know you heard of them or found them on the Maria Liberati Show. And don't forget to like and share this month's episodes to be entered in a giveaway for a drawing for my book, The Basic Art of Pasta, a special gifts from Edward and Sons and from Bakerly. And remember, you have to sign up for my newsletter at marialiberati.com and like and share the episodes. If you get a chance to try my recipes from this week's episode, so that was the blueberry granita and blueberry shortcakes, take a picture, hashtag at the Maria Liberati show and share on social media. We will be sharing photos on my website shortly. So please share your photos on social media. And for more recipes, you can get copies of my book series, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, on marialiberati.com, on artoflivingprimamedia.com, and really anywhere books are sold online. And you can find me on Twitter at marialiberati.com, on Facebook at Chef Maria Liberati, on Instagram at Maria Liberati, on LinkedIn at M. Liberati and Pinterest at Maria Liberati. And you can also find me on my new radio station, The Basic Art Of, on Zeno Media. And let's see, the Maria Liberati channel on YouTube and the Basic Art of Italian Cooking by Maria Liberati channel on Roku. Until next week, peace, love, and pasta.